so the, uh, welcome everybody. This is the session that we do every week, uh, Nicolo and myself, about some updates regarding the uh, Italian startup ecosystem. So what has been happening in the past week? Nicolo has a very well um, put together a newsletter about the latest. So definitely encourage you to join. And uh, what we want to do basically on this call is really to go through like different uh, highlights and then have a quick discussion on it. And uh, it's going to be like uh, repeated, like essentially like every um, every week on a Monday. The idea is to do it at 630. So uh, let's get going. Yep. Great. Great. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Actually, good morning if you are on the East Coast or West Coast. But let's get going. Yeah. So this was yeah. uh, this is an interesting week, uh, yes. I, I'd say. I not know. many deals, not many uh, deals, yep. I have to say. Even, even though uh, the, a couple of good ones, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think you've opened the, the, the newsletter as I am. Yep. Uh, and the first one is CyberDuro, I would say. Mm -hmm. So we are yep. in CyberSec. Yep. Uh, I found that. This is a very interesting angle because uh, I've heard about uh, the different deals in cybersecurity, but this is more about teaching people on how exactly to uh, sort of think about cybersecurity in general. So it was a, a very unique perspective. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, the website is cyberguru.it. Uh, uh, so if you maybe want to say something about exactly what the company does, I thought it was uh, was extremely interesting as a, as a perspective on cybersecurity. Well, I, 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 I met them actually a couple of years ago. Uh, so this is about uh, training your, your workforce, uh, basically uh, teaching them the basics of cybersecurity. And there are different levels of engagement that you can apply to your workforce. Uh, actually, um, Training about cybersec is a hot topic at different levels. Uh, uh, there are uh, several types of businesses built around training. In this case, it, it is not about technical training. It is about um, uh, good behavior. So having your workforce uh, knowing and acting in a, in a conscious way with the digital assets. Uh, this is a very excellent company from the, from the PR. They, multiplied by six their revenues in the last year, so which is wow. impressive. quite impressive, yes. Interesting. Yes, please, Jacob, please. No, I'm curious about the business model. So basically they work so that they can actually improve the awareness of uh, in the different like practice, like hacking practice of people essentially on the web. So they can like counterbalance that through some uh, sort of like behavioral like action. So knowing what is like a phishing attack, knowing like other tools, then uh, help uh, people in a company sort of avoid this kind of uh, situation, correct? Yep, yeah, that's that's a basic idea. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so these are very, probably quite an enterprise play at this, at this moment, because you know, yep. It is really something that uh, it's more relevant for bigger workforces. Mm -hmm. But I would say that this is something that uh, at any level, any, any, any size, any company size should think about. Nowadays, I mean, I'm quite long in the cybersecurity market, uh, of course, because everybody is nowadays. Uh, but in Europe in particular, because in Europe we've got uh, 
So we are second tier players right now. So Israel, the USA, China, Russia, those are the big players. The, the, the ones with the biggest companies in CyberSec. And Europe is kind of lagging behind. So I expect the, in particular, European Commission and the national, uh, national actors to push for uh, local, a local cybersecurity strategy. Mm-hmm. And I expect to, to, to see a lot of public capital uh, flooding the market. Yeah, which actually tells, I mean, uh, what you mentioned is also something later on in the newsletter about uh, Italy sort of starting yeah. like a government agency on cybersecurity. So in my head, I was like, wow, that's uh, very much on time then. So exactly. So, <laughs> so all the, everything is, you know, lining up in a, in a sense, sure. because I, I didn't mention it in the newsletter, but uh, in April, uh, the uh, European, Com- Com- European Council, European Commission, some, some, some organ in Europe proposed a, a European agency uh, for investing in cybersec. Uh, so for co- to, to coordinate national, uh, national actions in cybersecurity uh, and to manage uh, a European-wide budget for uh, cybersec actions. So this is something that the European Union probably feels and they know how they're lagging behind. And we are like, you know, like now a land of conquest for uh, foreign companies. And what is the general approach? I mean, how does do institution or institutional bodies generally you've seen in your experience like act towards cybersecurity on a national level? Is it like an entity that uh, will sort of overlook certain operation or they will invest in companies for national of national relevance? What is the take on this one, especially in the Italian one? Well, um... I guess in Italy and that's where uh, cybersecurity is close to matters of national interest and, and, and it is a matter of you know uh, interior in interior politics and defense. Yes. So uh, often the government tries to um, you know uh, approach the, the topic of cybersecurity with uh, an eye on national interests. So it's, it, it is not only an economic policy. It is a matter of national defense policy, national interest policy. So it's, a, it's kind of uh, a, a more delicate matter with respect to other, other economic sectors. Uh, so governments tend to, uh, to act closer to the market and you know, to, to put together economic policy and uh, some kind of government intervention, government coordination at both uh, when investment go. Uh, so it's a matter of, you know, it's a, a more intricate matter in a, in a mm-hmm. sense. Interesting, extremely interesting. Uh, what I was also curious about is the, the four books uh, raised that they did. So uh, for uh, the listener, four books is, uh, is a company that basically started, started by Marco Montemagno, a very famous public uh, figure in Italy. And it's about essentially like uh, having uh, summaries of books uh, in the audible form- format so people can learn quicker. So there's the new te- trend of micro learning, which uh, I have some reserve about, but I, I'm curious about what you think about that. Uh, big player actually are, are investing in this company and having like a public figure, it definitely helps out. Uh, in America, we have a good, uh, a very good uh, uh, company, which is very similar, which is Blinkist. 
and uh, it's it's extremely like well positioned, and I think they're doing really like a very a very good job. Uh, so that's uh, that's something like on the same line. So all these micro learning like audio books, every, everyone is trying to nail it in some form or another. Uh, I don't know if uh, you can really call it learning, but it's more of a philosophical sort of argument. But I let you I let you come with your uh, your opinion. Tell me what, what, you, what? what you think about it. Oh, well, I, 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 I'm not sure I have a, a, any specific opinion other than, other than um, uh, I, I would say we, we have an issue with time right now. So mm -hmm. uh, there is a compression of so many things that we have to do in our daily lives. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the digitalization of everything is basically just augmenting the number of things that you want to so increase the number of things, the number of interactions that you have. And, and uh, this, this means that probably uh, learning is one of those things that uh, you, you want to, you know, continue doing, you want to continue learning, but you recognize you have less time to study, to, to, to in a sense, read a whole book or follow an entire course. Uh, so actually, apparently, at least, there is a demand for uh, just getting to the to the key topics, to the pills uh, of the of the topic, and uh, and that's I don't know whether that's enough. So that's for yeah. sure. But okay. having read having read a few um, American mostly business books, I would say that most of them could be you know condensed in just like twenty pages, and was more than enough. There are many of them. Great concepts, but you know, <laughs> 20 pages more than enough. Uh, I, I wouldn't name names, but for example, The Long Tail, to name one, 20 pages more than enough. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think it's a, it's a good way, especially for have like a first sort of overview of a book. So learning is a different story, but to have like a, like a quick summary of what is it is about. So actually, also, to make a better informed decision, I feel that's a very valuable uh, way of uh, thinking about it. So it's not, you know, it's not a substitute sort of service. So reading of the book is definitely a different story, but definitely that can really support the sort of the uh, idea of understanding whether I should really spend the time to delve into the books. So that's uh, that's where I see it valuable. And I also think for books, you see it a as a try, try before you buy. Exactly, exactly. I get, a, I get a sense, you know, I, I know that uh, it's not the same as reading a book, but that's how I would use it. And, uh, you know, claiming that is, is learning, well, I don't know about it, but definitely is helpful, as you say, to sort of manage better my time when it comes to understand what I should read and what not. One other interesting thing they're doing, and I think uh, also that it provide a lot of value is really uh, is about uh, selection of latest news. I think they're working on some kind of format where they condense a bunch of different news on, on different topics, uh, where they do recaps a little bit like what we're doing, but in the different verticals. So that's, I thought there was, a, there was an interesting angle. So it's not only about books, but it's, it's more than that. It's really it curated, about, uh, curated news. It's curated but content. So I think in, that's- in this from this point of, from the point of view of saving time it makes total sense really. yeah 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 totally totally okay awesome no fantastic that's it and, 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 and this week p101 was uh, was featured as investor in both cyber Guru, cyber Guru mm -hmm. and four books 
Yeah, I mean, what so are these guys active. doing? What's what's happening with these guys? They're like uh, extremely, you know, extremely active in the space. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, which is which is good, very good. Yeah, not totally. Uh, then we have uh, Collegia, which is a UK-based uh, startup, which essentially help, uh, I, I guess, like a sort of millennial, post-millennial to uh, develop pension plans. And I thought it was very, very good idea. The founder is Italian. Uh, mm-hmm. They, uh, I don't know, I, do you know anything more regarding why they decided to move to UK instead of Italy? Because there are a ton of cases like these where people move to the UK because the ecosystem is better. Uh, I was looking into a company that uh, is doing uh, uh, like insect proteins mm-hmm. and the, the UK is one much better sort of uh, market and the founder is Italian but he decided to move to UK just because of that and so following the market. Well, that's another... it, is, it is a better market because food in the UK is awful. No, exactly. I, mean, I mean, I didn't want There's to say a, yeah. <laughs> Insect, you know, it's probably more digestible there than Italy now. And just joking apart. Just, uh, just I think joking. UK really attracts a lot of Italian talent. Yeah. It's probably the closest country to, uh, I mean, the biggest and most active ecosystem uh, close to Italy. So you don't really have to move uh, to the US. So what, what is your take on it? Well, totally, totally agree. Well, actually, uh, Riccardo, uh, Riccardo Gasparini is uh, a former MBA student, so an MBA alumnus from the, some, from the Said Business School, mm-hmm. Oxford, mm-hmm. Uh, which is the same university I went to. So same, same master, same program. And that's why, basically, I, I, I heard the news about Collegia. And uh, if you read the story, they identified the issue, what they were studying at Oxford, basically. Uh, and they decided to launch a startup right after they, their graduation. Uh, so it's probably not a conscien- conscious um, decision to move to the UK, but they were there and identified specific problems uh, related to the, um, let's say, the mandatory pension planning in the UK. Sorry. And that's where they started with the, with the project with the idea. Okay, so it's very specific actually for the that specific uh, ecosystem. That's uh, interesting. That's my understanding. That's my understanding, but I don't know much about uh, pension programs in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Um, I would uh, maybe jump since we're. Uh, I want to keep the time really tight. I would jump to what has happened with an unconventional sort of investor, which is the global tech venture. Uh, I was reading the story that you were pointing out. So if we can maybe give some context on that. It's a very interesting story. And I found out that actually the founders are, one of the founders at least is a guy from uh, Bakeka.it, uh, which is one of the sort of uh, grandparents of, uh, of the whole Italian startup ecosystem. And it's, uh, it's definitely like somebody that has a big visibility in the, in the, in the space. And uh, it's a very interesting way to do venture because it also went through a crowdfund phase. So maybe if you can say a little bit more about that, that's definitely something curious to consider. Uh, yeah, but, well, long story short, I've been following crowdfunding for, for some time now, uh, not just about startups raising crowdfunding uh, money, that's mostly given, mostly understood how that works. Yeah. But I find it interesting as uh, investors raise money for crowdfunding. Uh, not, not last because uh, being an investor in a VC fund, it is difficult because you know uh, regulation requires investors to 
so VCs to raise money from institutional investors, professional investors. And you know, uh, your average retail investor is not qualified to invest in a VC fund. Uh, so in, in the last couple of years, there have, there have been a few interesting uh, uh, evolutions in this, in, in, in this matter in Italy. Azimut uh, in particular, which is probably one of the biggest asset managers in Italy, has launched a couple of uh, venture capital funds, uh, raising from their retail investor space. And one of these funds is managed by P101 and is the, is the investor in the deals that we, we saw this week, last week. Uh, and uh, other uh, investors decided to raise money through crowdfunding, which is interesting because, you know, it's a borderline with respect to regulation. Yeah. Uh, and some of them uh, offer specific products that would be extremely difficult to get your hands on as a, as a retail investor. And Global Tech mm-hmm. Ventures is one of those providers uh, because they basically, uh, they're offering the possibility, the opportunity to invest into um, unicorns or contenders as they call them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so private companies uh, or private companies that have reached at least the $1 billion or 1 billion euros uh, valuation or are about to get there. The contenders, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the private company that usually receive money from big institutional investors. So that's that's probably the moment where I don't know Fidelity Management or Black, BlackRock take a position before an IPO. Uh, and this this these guys at Global Tech managed to uh, you know um, squeeze in into these rounds with a smaller location and they open the capital of, of the firm to retail investors. So it, it is an interesting product, quite fascinating. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting model, I agree, because they probably are working, and maybe you know more, uh, on secondaries, so on secondary allocation of share, and the pooling capital through crowdfunding, uh, basically you in, you're gonna invest in a holding, right? It's a holding company that essentially acquires shares on secondary uh, offerings, I believe. I, I'm not sure because they uh, they also they also uh, they also market it as you know co-invest with other investors, but you know right. it might be primary, might be secondary. Sure. So the sure, point sure. The, the point is about exposure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they managed to get in like some very interesting deal like Toast, uh, Bird, uh, Twenty Three and Me. I mean, some of the big names in the U.S. ecosystem. So I'm uh, scrolling through, and it's uh, a lot of great stuff. Coursera, for example. Um, I we thought in uh, in Europe. So yeah, yeah. Not too. Shabby. So yeah, I agree with you. The the problem here is the regulatory problem at, at the end because yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a meta problem. You crowdfund, you raise capital, not necessarily for a startup, but for a company investing in startups. So that's uh, but it's definitely something worth uh, worth exploring because retail investor will definitely. I mean, the way I see it is uh, they will definitely want something. Um, uh, in terms of accessibility to the startup investing ecosystem, but there are not many products. So that can be a good way to actually access and be exposed, even from a retail perspective. So you don't have to put a half a million in a busy firm, but you can put like, you know, 500 euro in this like holding led by professionals that is actually like uh, coming up with uh, with good investment ideas and a good portfolio. So that's uh, it's a very interesting model to, to validate.